God uses men and women who pray big prayers. Welcome to the One Cry Podcast, a nationwide call for spiritual awakening. The goal, accelerating the movement of God through sharing revival truth, stories, and reports. And now, your hosts, Bill Eliff and Kyle Reno. Hey, welcome to the One Cry Podcast. I'm Kyle. This is Bill. Uh, we're honored to have a few moments here with you to talk about revival and spiritual awakening and what we hope to see God do in the near future. Now, I don't know about you, uh, but I, I'm, I'm a guy that likes to, a good fire. Oh, man. You know, like to sit the around. It's, it's, the, it's good. It's a great place to be with other friends and commune, make some s'mores. I'm, I'm more spiritual in front of a fire. <laughs> I, mean, I, don't, I, don't, I don't know what don't that know the, is, but I, I get that. Yeah. I, I, I totally understand that. So, I mean, fire can be a beautiful, powerful uh, thing, but it can also be dangerous. Yeah, it can be abused. Yeah. I, I was thinking uh, the other day about a guy on a traveling team we were on, and he was staying in a, a doctor's home. The doctor was gone. Oh, and we were doing this meeting, spiritual revival meeting in his church, and he about burned the house down. And And I said to him, what did you do? And he said, well, we were cooking out in the back, and I had to dump the coals. And he said, I just dumped them into a trash can that was by the side of the house. I said, was there anything in the trash can? He said, oh, yeah, it was filled with leaves. <laughs> the perfect starter. Thought, okay, we have some basic training to do here. <laughs> Look at me. Yeah. You need to learn some things. Yeah, right. yeah. So fire can be pretty destructive. Yeah, and you know, it's it's all throughout the Bible, too. Yeah. Like you see uh, moments, good, bad, uh, right. in, in ways that God even displays uh, His power through that. And you actually have a, a moment in the Scripture to talk about today. Yeah, as we're talking about men who change the world and women who change the world, and can we be that? Yeah. Uh, there's probably nobody in the Old Testament that that was so significantly used like Elijah. Mm-hmm. You know, it's interesting. Uh, I haven't studied this, but just thinking about it, I, 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 I probably think that Elijah was spoken about in the Old Testament more than any other prophet. Mm-hmm. You know, Jesus spoke about him. John the Baptist spoke about him. Jesus said, uh, if you want to know the truth, John the Baptist is Elijah. Uh-huh you know, the the picture of Elijah. And so he was a mighty prophet that was greatly used, and he changed his nation. I mean, he was used to change the nation. And to set up the context of what we're going to see here in 1 Kings 18, uh, the nation was in a mess. I mean, a total, total mess. Uh, The Bible says in 1 Kings 17, Ahab the king did more to provoke the Lord God of Israel than all of the kings of Israel that were before him. Now you got to wonder, how bad can this get? Well, Ahab was the worst. He provoked God more than any other king. And this was the, uh, the world that Elijah came into and was living in. So Elijah proclaimed under the inspiration of the Lord that there'd be no rain for three years, that drought was coming as a judgment. And then we see in 1 Kings 18 that uh, Ahab and Elijah have an encounter. And listen to what he says, beginning in verse 17. When Ahab saw Elijah, he said to him, Is this you, you troubler of Israel? In other words, Elijah, you spiritual guys, you church guy, you're the problem. You know, if it wasn't for you, everything would be fine. 
And Elijah said, I have not troubled Israel, but you and your father's house have, because you've forsaken the commandments of the Lord and you've followed the Baals. Now then, send and gather to me all Israel at Mount Carmel, together with 450 prophets of Baal and the 400 prophets of the Asherah who eat at Jezebel's table. So Ahab sent a message among all the sons of Israel and brought the prophets together at Mount Carmel. And Elijah came near to the people and said, How long will you hesitate between two opinions? If the Lord is God, follow him. But if Baal is God, follow him. But the people did not answer him a word. Now just notice a couple of things about how Elijah was used to change his world. First of all, he clearly identified the problem and he called for a response. Now, if you listen right now around even the church in America, we got a thousand ideas of what the problem is. Well, it's Washington, it's Hollywood, it's the culture, it's uh, their fault, it's this group's fault. But you got to love a man who hears God clearly enough that he cuts through all the noise and says, this is the problem. You've forsaken God. You have other gods that you're worshiping. And this is what Elijah did. And we need men and women like this in our nation. You know, Alexander Solzhenitsyn, who uh, wrote this incredible uh, study, prophetic word about what happened during the Russian Revolution when 60 million people were killed. And he studied it all his life, and he talked to hundreds, maybe thousands of Russian people, and he made the statement, he said, after all of my study, all these years, and talking to hundreds of people, he said, I've come to one conclusion about why this happened in our nation. We have forsaken God. That was his statement. Well, you can say, what well, is this political thing, this climate? No, we forsook God. We walked away from God. That's, by the way, always the answer to the demise of a nation and the demise of a people. And if you want to be used of God, don't sugarcoat the problem. Don't misinterpret the problem. Uh, find out from God what the real problem is. They were following other gods. They had misplaced idolatry. And then he called for a response. He said, look, you, you figure out if God's God, let's follow him. If Baal's God, follow him. And then he called for this response, and guess what he heard? Crickets. <laughs> Just nothing, no response. So he, he, he bumped it up a little bit. He called for a showdown between these gods. And that's the second thing we see in Elijah is that he repaired the altar. This is so beautiful. It says in verse 30 of, of uh, 1 Kings 18, he said to the people, come near, and he repaired the altar of the Lord, which had been torn down. In other words, there was an existing altar. They had not only forsaken God, they had torn down that altar. He took 12 stones, very symbolically, according to the number of the tribes of the sons of Jacob, uh, to whom the word of the Lord had come, saying, Israel shall be your name. And so with the stones, he built an altar in the name of the Lord 
and he made a trench around the altar large enough to hold two measures of seed. Altars in the Old Testament are always a symbol of our relationship with God. It's a symbol of our affection. It's a symbol of meeting with God. It's a picture of where we go and become right related to God by surrendering to Him and offering ourselves, our lives, our tithe, our giving, our first fruits back to the Lord. And so He repaired the altar. And if if you want to be used of God, how about starting by repairing the altar? How about repairing the altar in your own life, tearing down false gods? Lord, where are the false gods in my life? What are the things that I'm worshiping? I, I was recently down in Arlington uh, and got to go to a Ranger baseball game in their new stadium, their new dome stadium. I think, if I remember correctly, it cost $200 million dollars. And I said to my buddy who was with me, I said, Where, where's the old stadium? He said, which was phenomenal, beautiful. He said, oh, it's right across the street. <laughs> so they didn't even tear it down. But here was this one, we could say, an altar to baseball. And then we built a bigger one. And I'm sure there's coming a day when they'll build another one that's bigger. We have our altars uh, that we worship at, that we give everything to. Where are the altars in your life? What are the things that you choose over God? Uh, one of the ways you can determine this is looking at how you spend your time and your money. I, I had a guy one time say, let me look at a guy's checkbook and his calendar, and I can tell you who he worships. So what Elijah did was he came individually, but then they came corporately and they repaired the altar. They, they got ready to meet with God. And then, and then the third thing he did was so beautiful, he prayed. He prayed in faith, believing in the sufficiency of God, that God would come and manifest himself. Now listen to this prayer. You know, there, there are a multitude of prayers in the Bible. We ought to study those prayers, the composition of the prayer. And here's Elijah. He said in verse 36, he said, O Lord, the God of Abraham, Isaac, and Israel. In other words, Lord, you have been our God. You have been this nation's God. Let it be known today that you are God in Israel and that I am your servant, and I've done all these things at your word, that what I'm saying is not just craziness, it's what you are saying to your people. Answer me, O Lord, answer me, that this people may know that you, O Lord, are God, are God and that you have turned your back uh, again. And then the fire of the Lord fell, now listen to this, and consumed the burnt offering, and the wood, and the stones, and the dust, and licked up the water that was in the trench. And when all the people saw it, they fell on their faces, and they said, The Lord, He is God. Not Baal, the Lord. The Lord, He is God. Now, God uses men and women who pray big prayers. And notice his prayer. His prayer started with God and was for God. 
He proclaimed who God was. Oh, Lord, you are God. And Lord, I'm going to ask you to do something big so that everybody else will know that you are God. And as I was reading this passage of Scripture, I was just overwhelmed. I mean, I get the fire consuming the, the wood and the sacrifice, but what blows me away is this fire consumed the rocks. There was nothing left. It consumed the dust and all the water around. I mean, when, when God got through showing off, there was nothing there. It was just like it was just completely consumed. And it showed people God is big. But, but listen, the reason that it showed people God is big is this man, a humble man, just like you and me, James says, Elijah was, uh, he believed big. He prayed big. God, manifest yourself, but do it not so I can be known as the great evangelist, the wonderful revivalist, so that they will know your word is true and that you are God. And the end result was this really a nationwide revival as the people turned back to the Lord and repented of their sin. By the way, at the end of this story, uh, what we see is that the rain came back. And right there on that mountain, at the end of that, when the people turned back to the Lord, the Lord lifted his hand of judgment. And he says, go look over there at the Mediterranean. And they saw a little cloud like a man's hand. And then all of a sudden, it just began to pour rain. The judgment was over because the people had returned to God. So uh, I love this fact, Kyle, that here's a man who James goes to deliberate lengths to tell us he was just like we are. Yeah. And yet he prayed. Yeah. He prayed. Yeah, just listening to the scripture again and you sharing about it makes me think, we, we see the fire. I mean, mm -hmm. we're drawn to it. You know, we, we see mm -hmm. the fire. And God hears the prayer. Right. You know, like that. There, there's the. He's waiting to hear that. Yeah, right. So there's the, mm -hmm. and there is no fire where there's not prayer. Wow. Yeah, and that the, in this moment here, that God in His sovereignty has decided mm -hmm. to pour out a, a display of His presence and power mm -hmm. by hearing one guy's prayer, one wow. dude, wow, in the midst of all these false worshipers, you know, and pagan deities that are being celebrated in that moment, and you just kind of think. What could one person's prayer do today? Yeah. What could one person's time, how could it change the world? We may, we may never know their name. Oh, no. Yeah. One grandmother, yeah, one student yeah. who cries out for his school. Wow. And, and we do know some of those names. We know yeah. Evan Roberts in the Welsh Revival. Wow. We know Jeremiah Lanfear in the yeah. 1857 yeah. Uh, Revival. So we know some of those names, but, but I guarantee you there are a lot of unnamed oh, people. Yeah who just prayed, and they believed big yeah. for God to manifest himself. <laughs> yeah. yeah. I love that. I mean, Elijah put the gauntlet down. Oh, yeah. Yeah, like this is not some easy thing to be done. This is an only God kind of prayer. Well, I heard a guy one time talking about faith saying, uh, faith is not presumption, but it's yeah. hearing what God has said and then believing him big enough yeah. and asking big enough that if he didn't come through, you look like a fool. Yeah. And uh, and that's what Elijah did. Yeah. Imagine if no fire had come. Right, right. But God had spoken to him about that fire. Yeah. 
So, um, Lord, give us men and women who believe big and pray big. Yeah, and and even now, you know, let's take some time to really pray for that, Uh, to pray for us personally, but also we want to pray for you and join us as we pray here that God help us to be those kinds of men and women that'd be willing to go to the mountaintop Mm -hmm. and believe big because you have spoken. There's things God has said in his word that we know he wants. Right. We know he wants. Are we asking him for it? Yeah. So, Bill, why don't you start us? I will. Lord, uh, thank you for this man. Yeah. Uh, And, Lord, thank you that you gave him insight on the real problem. Would you give us insight? I I just pray we'd cut through the nightly news and the, the Twitter and the Facebook and the TikTok and the Instagram and the thousand voices that are trying to tell us what the problem is or what we need. Lord, you know, you know what we need. And I pray we would listen to you, and like Elijah, we would know what the problem is. And then we would repair the altar. Lord, I I pray, Father, that you would right now, as we're praying and people are listening, you would convict all of us of any altar that we have built as a substitute for you, anything we run to to get life. And Lord, we would uh, rebuild the altar to you. And then you'd give us wisdom to know how to pray and pray big for that kind of movement of God that would bring a nation back to you, bring our neighbors back to you, but bring a nation back to you in Jesus' name. Yeah, Lord, I agree with that. And I ask for our listeners today, uh, Lord, for each of us individually, you would show us our uh, Mount Carmel's, God, our moments to believe you for things that only you can do, God, that we would be glad to look like a fool if it comes to that. But we know, Lord, in expressing faith, uh, Lord, that the fire of God can fall. Mm -hmm. And we want to see that, God. We want to see you come and burn away uh, the wickedness in our day. Uh, Lord God, and Lord, consume in such a way that brings transformation. So God, do it, please. Please right. hear us praying for the next great move of God. Please hear us praying yes. for real fire. God, please hear us praying for a sweeping move of your spirit. Mm-hmm. Lord, please hear us praying that people would come to know you, Jesus, by the millions, by the mm-hmm. millions, Lord. So, Lord, help us to be men, uh, Lord God, that that do the work, that set up the altar, that that will believe big. So I pray for faith even now Mm -hmm. and now in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. Well, again, we are honored that you'd give us a little time uh, in your life. And we hope that these times put truth into us to believe for. But also we got testimonies of things Mm -hmm. that God is doing even now in our nation. And we're going to listen to one of those right now. Well, here we are again. And uh, this is Byron Paulus, founder of One Cry and Bill and Kyle. I just love Every one of these sessions and um, the one you're doing on world changers and all the rest of them, that whole series on prayer, God has really used and uh, hear so many reports back on that. So thank you for the podcast. And today we have Scott Talby back from Portland, Maine uh, at East Point Church. Uh, And we talked last time, Scott, just uh, how this uh, whole ministry there was birthed from nothing. Uh, Let me take that back birth from you being desperate with your uh, partners and crying out to the Lord on your face before God saying, uh, I think you said in the, in the last, last podcast that somebody said, why would you 
plant seeds on cement, which I thought was interesting. And But that's the way we view New England, that it's hard and coarse and difficult. And God broke through all of that. And God's blessed you with the church that is um, large by any scale, uh, measurement throughout the nation, but particularly there in, in Portland and New England. So, Scott, thanks for rejoining us here. And uh, I want to talk about prayer some more. Sure. So here we go. So I meet a lot of pastors and Christian leaders, and and all of them would say, man, prayer is central to anything we expect God to do. But when you get down to actually praying, get down to keeping it up, the priority externally, in reality, that it is even in their heart, uh, it just seems to falter uh, time and time again. So I'd love to just begin, Scott, because I know your church is, what, 20 years old, maybe two decades, and God's blessed. And from the beginning to uh, pre-launch all the way through to where it is today, uh, somehow, some way, you have kept prayer as a pillar of that ministry. So can you talk to the pastor who says, uh, man, I, I believe in it, I know it, but somehow I can't bring myself to really having either the discipline or the desire and devotion to really pray as a staff, as a leadership team. Yeah. What do they do? What do you? How do you answer that? Yeah, from my perspective, I I just would say I, uh, there's no way I could not do that. I I we would have to make prayer the priority because I'm I'm confident without without hesitation that that's where the strength of God comes into our ministry and into our life and. And the power of, of God through the Holy Spirit actually moves when we call upon his name. And, and um, from the most humble of perspectives, um, it, it is that. It's us crying out and calling on the name of the Lord and lifting Jesus high and, and expecting him to do things we can't do. And so for me, without knowing that God is leading and that I'm operating in my own strength, I would feel so void of, of power and, and ability. And it's, it's become a dependent piece of my life, you know, as a follower of Jesus, that who am I fooling if I think that I could walk through this life especially as a pastor or a leadership team in a church or a staff. And, and I think prayer also is the, the place where the hearts of our staff team are humbled and, and nobody's agenda can rise above or there's no power play because if we're surrendered to Jesus, there's just got to be a, a humility. And I know it's not perfect, but, but that's kind of the way I see it. So your staff weekly are praying together. Your elders weekly are praying together. Yeah. Uh, yeah. What does that look like? Yeah. As I said in the past uh, uh, podcast, the, the, our staff, we meet every Monday morning and some pastors might think it to be a waste of valuable time, but, but we, we meet for at least two hours, sometimes two and a half hours. And, we share the wins um, from the past week and the weekend and talk about where we saw God moving and celebrate those things. And, and then after we do that, we, we either get on our faces together as a staff team in a room large enough to do so, or we split up and have our staff team going to, to other places. And we just, we thank God for what he's done, of course. And then we cry out to him for 
what's coming and we we take the requests of our church family because we have prayer prayer cards in our our church family meetings and they fill them out put them in and they have a pray for one uh box on the back of them where each each time we see a pray for one that's the name of someone that that person knows who needs jesus as savior and lord and so we cover the requests of the people but we we pray for the ones who are in need of salvation and so that's very much on purpose with our staff team to make sure we cover the needs of our church body, but most of all the evangelistic pieces of that um, as well. And, and then our, our elders do the same thing. We gather every Thursday morning, 7.30, we talk about Jesus, but before we do that, we share communion together every Thursday morning. And then we, um, we get on our faces um, after the Lord's Supper and just pray and cry out to God together as an eldership team. And then um, after we're finished with that, we uh, we look at a passage of scripture and just share life, talk about life a little bit. And then you have a uh, collective kind of a corporate care gather or prayer gathering, what, once a quarter or something? And yeah, we, uh, we have a weekly, a weekly Tuesday night gathering um, for about an hour, hour and a half um, where people just come to seek the Lord. And usually there's a, a very short devotional piece where we guide in a, spe spe a specific direction. And then um, then once a quarter, we have a prayer gathering that goes from six to midnight and um, just, again, invite people to pray through various segments that we we talk through as a team first, where do we want to, where do we want to go in this time of prayer? What should we be praying for or who should we be praying for? So that it's not just unguided, but it, it takes a, a path toward what God's vision is for us in this particular season for greater Portland. So six to midnight. Yeah. Mm -hmm. Great. Uh, let me ask kind of on a personal note, when did God, really kind of implant, embed in your heart, um, if we can use the word passion, but a burden, a desire uh, to build your life, maybe, or your family, but your ministry on prayer, not just as an add-on, but as a real central part of who you are in your DNA? Yeah, that's a great, great question. I, I, I have to say that the focus on prayer came through a ministry just prior to coming to Maine. I was, I actually, I had two um, preaching ministries, two different locations in Ohio, but right before we came to Maine, I was on the staff of a church and I was the um, small groups or life groups pastor, but there was such a rich um, gathering of, of people who loved to pray. And I got to know them and I actually became then the leader of the prayer ministry there in that church. And I'll just tell you that that was probably the best getting to know Jesus time that I've ever had in my life. And that opened the door to, oh, this is very real. It's prayer isn't just this, this obligational piece of my following Jesus. This is following Jesus. This is walking with him consistently. And that that passion did develop and in fact i'll say now at 59 it's greater than it ever was i want that dependency to be stronger as i'm heading into this next season of life you know so to speak that i, I don't want to kind of fade off i want to pray into that season so 
So, uh, Scott, why don't we uh, just take a moment and would you pray, but pray for pastors, pray for God to give a vision for what he can do through a more intense, perhaps, or certainly vibrant prayer life, and how to, for pastors to integrate that into their leadership teams and then trust God to make that a, a part of their culture of that church. You know, we talk a lot here in One Cry about having a culture of revival. Well, you can't have a culture of revival apart from a culture of prayer because you just can't separate the two. And and uh, I, I love, uh, and I don't mean this because I know you would say it's all the grace of God. I, I get that. Uh, but um, to have people pray out of their life message, this is something God has allowed you to live and breathe and be a part of and a real culture of prayer there at these points. So would you pray for pastors uh, here at the end and just uh, ask God to flood their hearts with a spirit of prayer? I sure will. Yeah, sure will. God, thank you so much for this incredible privilege to come before you first and recognize that um, through this pathway of, of podcasts and connection that we can have such a broad uh, reach and yet such a very uh, intimate connection with you and with each other and, and through the power of of seeking you, Lord, and and I pray for pastors uh, specifically that your spirit would rise up within them, the very spirit that you gave to all of us when we said yes in following you, and that your spirit would rise so emphatically with within us that we uh, could not possibly think of walking a day or or going a day or through a portion of the day without uh, seeking you and talking with you through that day. I, I pray, Father, that we would um, be aware of those times when when the enemy's trying to uh, discourage us and keep us from finding our joy in you. And Lord, we know you're, you are our joy and that your wisdom, when we walk in your wisdom, we find your favor, and and Lord, we seek your wisdom too. Uh, we, we seek your wisdom for decisions that are in front of us for uh, the upcoming week and months even, and I pray for staff teams in churches and pastors who feel like uh, they're separate from uh, maybe their leadership teams, and maybe there's things that are against them, and I, I pray, God, that through humbling ourselves on our faces before you, that you would just shine through all of that and that you would blend hearts in the places that they need to be so that we can be about the business of our father to, to be about what you've called us to. And, and I just pray for pastors, families, Lord, and their marriages um, specifically, that you will heal hurts and take care of pastors' kids, Lord, and keep them from harm so that we also can spend our, our time with family in a healthy way as we minister to your church family at large. And we pray it in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. Wow, Scott, thank you so much. Thanks for your faithfulness there in uh, Portland, Maine. And uh, so love the way God is working in you and uh, then through you and impacting so many. And 
So Bill and Kahe, hey, I want to put a little plug in, Bill, if I'm able to do this here. March 20 through 22nd, east of Dallas, just from downtown, about 30 minutes. Heart Cry for Revival Conference every other year. This year, that's where it's going to be. And I was thinking about this, God, as you were sharing, because there's going to be a major emphasis on the role of prayer in spiritual awakening. And so, uh, man, I can't wait for that time. Uh, Bill, Kyle, thank you. Uh, for the opportunity to be able to talk to Scott together with our audience today. So God bless you guys. Man, as always, it's fun uh, to stop and just hear. Hear a story. Yeah, to hear a story of what God's mm-hmm. doing. And so I, I'd encourage you uh, not just to listen, but to believe for some stories where you are. And uh, we look forward in the weeks ahead of continuing to unpack and walk this journey together. See you next week.